It's time to watch your favorite TV program. Hit record on your VHS player. Tune in your NES and join Alan Price and Chris Fint with their views as we deploy Operation RetroShock. Hello podcast listeners and welcome to the very first episode of Operation Retroshock. I'm one of your hosts, Alan Price. And I'm the other one, Chris Vint. I'll just interrupt you there, Alan, because you look like you were going to introduce me, so I thought I would introduce myself. You don't need to be introduced because you're not important. You may have your own show, but, you know... Masters of the Universe Chronicles for anyone who cares and is a He-Man fan and stuff. And also we need to thank Matt Howlett for awesome intro music. Absolutely. Yeah. Very good job, Matt. Thank you very much for that. Yep, just has a nice pop culture network feel to it with that new Toy Smell, it figures, uh, those kind of podcasts, you know, having that. But we'll get on to the other pop culture network things later because we have a few other thank yous. We will indeed, yes. But we may as well get stuck in with letting you know what's going to be on the show. Um, the movie one, I will be focusing on my favourite movie from the past, the first Back to the Future movie. Right, Scott Allen. Why do you have to do that? Well, why not? Fair enough. Um, we shall also be doing a bit of wrestling, and that will be on the founder of TNA Wrestling, Mr. Jeff Jarrett. Double J. Double J. Absolutely double J. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, got a couple other things, uh, classic TV programmes, uh, one of them which... Um, has been come to a sad kind of end us at uh, Christmas Day and New Year's Day was Doctor Who so we'll be reviewing some of the retro stuff uh, featuring like John Pertwee and some of the other Doctors um, and also uh, one of our retro games uh, seeing a bit of revival with it this month with uh, some of the additional map packs on the PlayStation Network and Xbox Marketplace and that would be the awesome game of Resident Evil 5 obviously we've a lot to talk about since uh, we both uh, did the game together, but uh, more on that later on. Absolutely. So, Alan, is it time to go back to the future? I think it may just be time. It may just be time. So let's hop in our DeLorean for Alan Price's little synopsis of Back to the Future. All I wanted to do was
and that was Back in Time by Huey Lewis. Incidentally, on the soundtrack of um, Back to the Future, and uh, something Chris happened to buy me for Christmas. Well, I knew you were a fan of it, so whenever we were discussing future show plans and stuff with the first one, I obviously thought Back to the Future means a great deal for you, so uh, that's why we're going to be having a little discussion about it. You know, like, it's such a good film, and so what do you remember fondly about it? Do you remember watching it whenever you were a little nipper? Uh, a little nipper. <laughs> when I was in a little nipper sometime. Um, it's one of those movies that you couldn't count how many times I've actually watched the Bloomin' Thing. Um, I think the key thing that, you know, before even, you know, the plot or anything when I was young stood out to me, it was the car. It was the DeLorean itself. Um, not only does it look fantastic for the purpose it has within the movies, but I think another thing that hooked me with that is, um, obviously with Christmas Self being from Northern Ireland, the car itself was actually built in Northern Ireland and it's still the only only car and only ever sports car to be manufactured in our country. Yeah, but to be honest, the Titanic was made in Northern Ireland. It's yeah. not really something to brag about. I know, and both of them went wrong, to be <laughs> totally honest. Um, John DeLorean took the British government for millions of pounds and the Titanic sank so you know but still it's something that was built here and you have to cling to what we can <laughs> um, but anyway you know aside from the car being a big factor for it for me was the whole idea of you know as a kid you'll obviously always latch on to something like oh, time travel and all that sort of stuff you know similar to what we'll be talking about later with Doctor Who um, but you know, we may as well kind of, you know, get into the whole, you know, start of the movie. Um, you know, it opens up, funnily enough, um, with loads and loads of ticking clocks. That kind of sets the premise <laughs> for what we're going for here. Um, you then see a case of plutonium sitting under the bed. I wonder what that could be for. I don't know. It doesn't making plutonium sandwiches. I don't. I don't. I don't really know. I don't think plutonium would probably be the healthiest sandwich. But no. you know, we will eventually, of course, find out why we need this. Um, our main character, Michael J. Fox, is Marty McFly, which is where everything's going to start getting a little bit interesting. Um, he's asked to meet at the Twin Pines Mall at one a.m. and then you see him. He falls asleep on his bed. Funnily enough, like any teenager nowadays. Um, <laughs> um, then phone goes to Doc again, um, asking him as he fell asleep. Obviously lies. Um, and this is where we get to our very fun part now, where we get to see the DeLorean time machine for the first time. Um, a, the back of Doc Emmett's van opens up, swings open. Um, I don't know how... Um, they got missed in the back of the van at all. It's a bit of an odd one. Special effects. And that's special effects back in 1985. Yeah. If he's got plutonium on his bed, you don't know what he means. Well, that's true. That's true. Um, but then we hear the DeLorean back out and you hear all the wee, you know, scientific noises, you know, the squeals of the tyres when it stops, all that sort of stuff. And as a kid, you just looked at it and were like, this is obviously going to do some serious stuff. Um, 
that's using the flight term because yes. Doc, Doc Brown uses a more um, extreme version of the saying. Um, but anyway, enjoyable um, because we finally get to see what every kid would probably dream of that they could drive a real sized car with a radio control. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about you. Oh, well, no, mind. I can probably end up crashing it. But, you know, it's nice to see. It was nice to see something like that, and then obviously when he puts Einstein's dog inside, and then uh, you know does the thing with the watches, so we can say he's actually a minute behind mine. Yeah. Uh, where the, and that's where their fun begins with the, the Libyans and everything like that. The Libyans, exactly. Yeah, exactly. The Libyans. Um, that proceeds um, to Marty deciding to get away from the Libyans, obviously. Um, and that's really where it all hits the fan, is we hit the famous 88 miles an hour, and um, crash boom bang, we find ourselves in this remote field. Marty careering um, uncontrollably, and smacks straight into a barn. Um, obviously Marty is not dressed appropriately for where he's ended up in the 50s, um, he's wearing his radioactive suit, obviously, to protect him from the plutonium that powers the DeLorean. Um, the family that lives in the nearby house then discovers him, thinking he's some sort of alien, because it is depicted in the actual son of the family's comic, of a very similar-looking character with this face mask and a mouthpiece. Um, he proceeds to have to try and get the car out of there as quick as possible because he's getting shot by a shotgun. Gets out of there, drives along the road, and then just in the middle of nowhere, the DeLorean conks itself out. Again, that is where the joke of Northern Ireland works and ship could come in again. <laughs> we have to get the DeLorean hidden, obviously. So um, he pushes it behind um, the sign for building development where he actually lives in the future. Doesn't he, doesn't he like go into a cafe at some stage to phone Doc to... Yes, doc to this, this, is, this, is, this is where um, he, we get into the cafe um, and he goes over the phone book hoping for his own life that Doc is actually alive but um, he finds Doc's number in the book to the not-so-happiness of the cafe owner yeah. giving off at him. He then decides follow his dad out of the cafe wondering obviously as you would you know what was your dad like when he was your age um, but just so happens that on this day of days is meant to be the day where his dad meets his mother <laughs> and nothing good happens here is case of he finds out his dad's a bit of a peeping tom Climbing up trees, claiming he's a bit of a bird watcher, which you could claim he is. Yeah, well, yeah, I could say a couple of things, but I'll remain polite, so to speak. <laughs> but to cut a long story short, um, his dad falls from the trees, about to get hit by a car. He saves his dad, but he gets hit by the car. What is it the doctor says? Never uh, something to do with don't cross your own timeline or something like that? Yeah, pretty much. Don't. Um, <coughs> Don't interrupt something that caused um, a paradox. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, uh, once that happens, he's taken in by um, his mother, his mother um, who obviously doesn't know that as a son. 
Um, some awkward moments uh, whenever he says his name's Calvin Klein and it gets a bit... And she has some sort of infatuation with um, purple underwear. Yeah, and it gets worse later on, almost like the Star Wars of Malaya. Sort of a, sort of a thing, yes. Um, but what technically is over that for... It's the one thing that's kind of a wee bit of a dampener, but, you know. Um, but the whole kind of next portion of the film is based around the whole idea of... His mum has now got the hots for him and she's chasing after him wanting to go to the dance with him. The same dance that she was meant to go with, obviously, Marty's dad. So Marty then has to run away and find where the 1955 Doc is. He finds Doc. Doc initially tries to perform some sort of um, brain analysis on him, trying to guess where he's from. And he did get it right in saying that you've came from a long distance, but not the correct long distance. He also meanwhile. said, you know what this means? It means that this damn thing doesn't work. Exactly. Um, but eventually Marty is able to get Doc to believe him by saying he knows how he came up with the idea for time travel. The whole standing on the edge of the toilet, slipping off, hitting his head. Doc then says he will help him to write what has happened um, obviously giving off in the meantime saying again about the whole you know paradox this could be the end of the universe sort of thing um, it actually works out that um, the time travel part is relatively easy yes. whereas getting his mother to fall in love with his father is the difficult and then part with Biff uh, Biff Tannen yes. sticking his his nose into business makes matters even worse yes make like a tree and get out of here no, Beth, I think you'll find us make like a tree and leave. Yes. You idiot. Yeah. Um, but that's just another one of the funny lines in the movie that um, you have to laugh at. Um, but the key point is, um, Marty keeps trying to introduce his dad to his mum, and it's not, doesn't go very well, obviously, because she's got the, what was it called, the Florence Nightingale effect with Marty. Um, eventually, though, Marty has to agree to go to the dance with her but he arranges with George that he's going to try and um, again this is getting in the very annoying area of um, he's going to try and cop a feel um, heavy petting with his mother but obviously before it gets too far George is going to walk up open the door and say hey you get your damn hands off of her um, obviously making then George look like this big strong man, you know, he's proud of himself, he doesn't want anything bad to happen to her. Then making her fall, you know, head over heels for him. This doesn't go to plan because Biff appears again. Um, and um, George then walks up to the car and finds that it's actually Biff. George, you know, fair play to him, he tries to swing a punch but it's grabbed by Biff and blocked. Um, but he manages to swing around and hit him with his arm, and what Marty has been trying to achieve is achieved in that his mum falls head over heels for his dad. But again, it's still not, you know, totally confirmed. They obviously had to kiss, but Marty's looking at the picture of his family and it's still not, you know, going back to normal, it's still fading away. Luckily enough, um, after someone tries to muscle in, on George, and um, George still remains to have the balls to um, keep together and go back and kiss his mum, and then 
Marty obviously has to get back for um, Doc, who is setting up the weather experiment for the lightning that's due to hit um, at the clock tower. Um, race is back. Then, um, again, Doc runs into a few complications. There has to be so many complications in these movies because everything, you know, just depends on it. Yep, it's either the weather or somebody's trying to give you a letter and warn you about your future yeah. and he's saying, no, he can't do that, etc. And um, Obviously, he's, he then has to swing down from the clock tower to actually put the plug together. You know, lightning strikes, Doc's managed to get the cables together. DeLorean hits the cable and the appropriate 1.21 gigawatts is put straight into the flux capacitor and Marty vanishes with the trademark tire marks of fire and Doc stands staring on, starts running down the street yelling and cahooing um, about that he's actually managed to make something work. Well, his future self makes something work, that is. Um, we then see... Doc look up towards the clock tower and a helicopter appear. Um, obviously, there wasn't that many modern helicopters back in 1955. Um, so it pans back down and then you realise you're back in 1985 and you hear the bangs of the um, flux dispersal. Marty coming out in cold and crashing into the Triple X Theatre. I wonder what those three letters could stand for. Uh, it's a Vin Diesel film, that's all It could be. Maybe Vin Diesel's movie got released early in 1985, I don't know. Again, Marty manages to, after careering the DeLorean through a wall, managed to bring it to a stop up the street with very little damage from the front of it, I must admit, for going through a wall. Um, but again, it stops. And um, can't get it started. And then we happen to see the Libyans. The Libyans. Instead of trying to get the car started or, you know, nick a bicycle or anything, he decides to run the entire distance from Hill Valley Town Centre <coughs> to the Twin Pines Mall. But it's not the Twin Pines Mall anymore, it's the Lone Pine Mall. But he arrives just in time to see Doc being gunned down by the Limpians and himself going back to 1955. He then runs down to Doc thinking he's dead because obviously Doc didn't want to know from the letter he was trying to give him in 1955. We then proceed to see that um, Doc's eyes move, and he surprisingly, he appeared, you know, it's pure surprise on his face. He opens his vest and it shows that there's a bulletproof vest underneath his radioactive suit. So obviously, Marty's very happy. Doc takes Marty home, drops him off. Marty says, you know, you know, how far ahead are you going to go? And he says, you know, about 30 years, it's a nice round number. Marty asks him to look him up in the future and he says he will. So then we see the DeLorean back out of the driveway, shoot down the street, and then the flash of light signifying that Doc has disappeared. Marty, thinking his wee adventure's over, has his lovely girlfriend appear. Then Doc appears out of nowhere saying he needs Marty to come back with him. And obviously we set up the end of the movie where the DeLorean decides to start flying. Something again you figure out in the second movie and disappears and that's pretty much the end of the Back to the Future first movie um, again like I said absolutely fantastic enjoyable movie especially when you're younger again I act like a big kid when it's still on anyway no pretty much all the lines which Chris can vouch for 
um, <coughs> that New Year's time when we had it on, and I was basically saying every line about but five like, seconds. But I'm like that with the Star Wars trilogies anyway, so you enough know it line for line. Well, you can't help these things when you love a movie. No. Favourite moment from it, Alan? Favourite moment has to be, for me, the first time you see the car coming out of the van. Because mm-hmm. it just, it's just the, you know, mouth drop moment. Yeah. I think for me, I, lo- I love the... Uh, the the chemistry between Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd, mm-hmm. but um, the chemistry uh, with Crispin Glover, who played George McFly, mm-hmm. um, was very good. I love the the scene where for, uh, Michael J. Fox, Marty McFly, has the um, suit on and says he's Star Vader from Planet Falcon. <laughs> um, you know, trying to get George to take some heat of him because obviously he's not taking any heat of Marty. So Marty dressed up as like an extraterrestrial mm-hmm. to try and get him to do that but uh, yeah all, all in all a, a good film are you happy with your your choice for our first uh, absolutely review? absolutely review? wouldn't have had it any yeah. other way because I would have probably twisted your arm if you hadn't let me so since we've been in the time travel road um, we're going to take a different method of transportation now we're actually going to go on something that we haven't really seen around a heck of a lot especially in the streets there's a blue police box I haven't seen one of those ever. No. That's maybe because they were in the 1960s, but there's still one that now again pops up in the UK yeah. and across the world. But we'll find out about that after the break. Doctor Who theme night. Um, would it be fair to say that I don't know I could say this for myself that you actually prefer the older theme music which we played there rather than the newer one that Murray Gold did? Yeah, it's quite weird because you know, the older theme music, even though obviously it's not as modern, doesn't have the technology anymore, it just has a wee bit more character to it. I think that's probably the same reason for you. Yeah, it's just the the music seems to grab you a bit more. I mean, I love the Murray Gold one. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong, but um, whenever you're watching an adventure to do with you know John Pertwee as a Doctor or Tom Baker, which are probably two more prevalent Doctors for mm-hmm. me, haven't really watched an awful lot of the first or second Doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we're going to do first of all is uh, we're going to cover something that. Um, we talked about earlier on, which you know, sadly, David Tennant um, is no longer the Doctor. Can you pass me a tissue? I can't. I've used them all for crying after seeing Matt Smith being <sighs> regenerated as the Doctor. Uh, I'll give the fellow a chance. Don't get me wrong, but David Tennant's going to be a hard act to follow. Don't mm, you think? Absolutely. It's Tennant is going to be a pretty big level for the future, considering he's been the one that a lot of kids have now grown up with. I think that uh, wouldn't be far wrong to say that, um, you know, say 10 years down the line or whatever, uh, David Tennant will probably be remembered fondly as a doctor, the same way as um, Tom Baker and uh, John Pertwee are remember, still remembered today. That's, that's true, considering David Tennant has been the only um, 
man since who's played the Doctor that has managed to actually out-pole Baker in the favouritism. Did not know that, did not know that. But um, what are your thoughts on the end of time? You were around here on New Year's Day whenever we watched the, um, the, the sadly, the last episode, which featured one of my favourite people of all time, Bernard Cribbins. Bernard! Gotta love Cribbins, <laughs> gotta love Cribbins. Um, but yeah, it's one of those episodes that kind of just hits you up the face. You'll admit it's hard to keep me quiet even watching something that I do like. Yeah. But I was completely silent during this entire episode. You know, maybe one or two comments along the way, but for me, I'm pretty much talking every two minutes during a program. Um, it's, it was a fantastically stringed together story. You know, it was a wee bit slower in part one, so it was, but that was to get you built up. But part two, that was, you know, on New Year's Day, it just all hell broke loose, basically. Yeah. So you did, because you had a wee bit of a Hannibal Lecter, like, starting conversation between the Master and the Doctor, which I thought was very well acted by both John Sims and David Tennant. Yeah, I think John Sims was a good call for the Master. Obviously, he was fantastic as Sam Tyler mm-hmm. in Life on Mars here in the UK. Um, but David Tennant, um, David Tennant and Bernard Cribbins, um, I mean, whenever they were actually up and the... Like the spaceship thing, forgive me, I forget the name, but the um, emotion that was shown between Bernard Cribbins and him, and especially at the end, whenever you see Bernard Cribbins salute the TARDIS as you hear it, you know, like materialise, materialise, yeah, and um, the tears, which you actually said that he actually um, did off the cuff. Yeah, it actually is, it's, that's a true fact, so it is. Um, the whole emotion that was got between, you know, Cribbins and Tennant, you know, as the Doctor and um, Wilf was fantastic, which I think is probably down to such a good relation that they have off camera. But the whole, you know, goodbyes to, you know, all those past you know, past people that have been in his life, Martha, Mickey, Rose, etc. Um, the bit with Wilf outside the church just stands out for me as the key point because the whole he was you know, it was in the script for him to do the salute to the doctor like he did when obviously the doctor brought Donna back mm-hmm. at the end of, you know, Tennant's final full series. But the whole crying and the kind of you wouldn't call it a kiss, but it's kind of a semi kiss. Yeah. So the thing he kinda goes hands, yeah, yeah. It's just him, you know, kinda giving him his own goodbye from Cribbins, which it was again, the man hasn't lost his touch and he knows how to just tweak everybody's heartstrings when they're watching. Mm-hmm. That's very true, that's very true. So, um, overall, uh, we would have to say that we were both really pleased with, as you said, the first part of End of Time was good, but wasn't. it didn't have the emotion and the mm-hmm. drama for the second part, because you obviously knew that, that that was going to be the time where David Tennant passed away. Now, um, it regenerated, so to speak. <laughs> passed away, um, yes, but that, well, that's the way they played it. They yeah. played it that he was going to die, but, which... It's a good way to go about it nowadays because kids, again, were very connected with Tennant. Yeah, but one thing that I have to say that to this day still um, um, still strikes a chord with me is whenever you watch the scene where he goes into the TARDIS to regenerate and he says, I don't want to go, mm-hmm. the music by Murray Gold was absolutely exceptional. It, it was astounding. So it was, it's a piece that I just can't wait for them to release. Yeah. Which they better get round to as soon as possible. But they'll probably, no doubt, leave it until the fifth series comes yeah. out. And I refuse to be under the belief that 
this is supposedly meant to be Series 1 again, because that's just going to confuse everything. Okay. Well, we've obviously covered a, a lot of ground in David Tennant, so he was the main reason that I actually got into Doctor mm -hmm. Who. I don't think that if David Tennant was the 10th Doctor, I don't think I'd be watching Doctor Who. Now, was there any particular Doctor, the older ones, say like the Patrick Triton, the John Pertwee, the Tom Baker, mm -hmm. Peter Davison? Mm -hmm. One of the older ones, because obviously this is Operation Retroshock, we want to go the retro yes, and keep yes. it current at the same time. But is there anyone that you can actually think of that, um, or a particular storyline that really in, uh, enticed you? Well, um, for me, a wee bit again, like you just to mention Tennant, I watched from when Eccleston began, but it was Tennant who pretty much grabbed me and made me watch the program because it's you can't, I can't deny it. I hadn't watched the older stuff until I'd seen the modern stuff. Oh, I'm the same now, yeah. Um, but when we talk about the older Doctors, you know, everybody has tend to gravitate towards the Tom Baker Doctor. But for me, I've always been very fond of the Peter Davison Doctor, which is probably because having watched the newer stuff, the whole characteristics between David Tennant's Doctor and Peter Davison's Doctor, not to spoil your favourite Doctor, but also he has a few traits of Pertwee. Yeah, Pertwee would be my favourite. You can certainly notice certain characteristics in there. Mm -hmm. Also, it's strange to actually go back. Um, I was actually watching the one, uh, The Time Warrior, mm -hmm. uh, a couple of days ago, um, and Sarah Jane, um, it was her first, first, episode, first yeah. her episode. So obviously, you know, like, I've seen her first episode, and I've seen, you know, like, her most recent episode, with, you know, like, which is kind of... Is Creepy and scary. It was, creep, it was creepy because all you've all you'd seen her up until watching the old stuff was this older woman. Not we're not saying she's ancient, no, you know, because no. she's far from it. But you've been used to her just being a woman, where she's just a young girl. Mm -hmm. Here in that episode, and it's um, but the character is exactly the same because yeah. you can pick up the characteristics. Kids that were watching, you know, School Reunion, David Tennant's first series, were to go back and you were to set them down in front of her first episode, they would immediately recognises her. Exactly. Just based on the way she acts the character. Exactly, exactly. So, is there a favourite storyline that you've had with, obviously you're saying Peter Davison um, is pretty strong doctor for you, mm -hmm. Pertwee is for me. Yeah. Um, I uh, particularly like Pertwee's um, one that was in The Three Doctors with mm -hmm. uh, Patrick Fryden and William Hartnell. Yes. And Spearhead from Space is what Very it was good. called. Um, that was a fantastic story. Um, but what about you? For me, and it's something we we're going to talk about anyway, um, Davison is my favourite older Doctor, but it was nice for me, it was again kind of my first big introduction to the older Doctor Who stuff was the five Doctors, Yes. because that was my first taste of Davison, Baker, Pertwee, everybody from the first five, um, but you know that's something we're going to talk about now, is it's interesting the way the Five Doctors, I think the thing that got me when the Five Doctors opened was the way you see Hartnell talking about before he goes to regenerate. Yes, I will come back one day, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing, yeah. Um, Which again rings true because obviously we have had the Three Doctors, we've had the Five Doctors. Exactly, yeah. <coughs> there was a, there was a um, obviously Tom Baker didn't feature mm -hmm. in it as heavily as... Um, due, to pers due to personal reasons. Yeah, that was mainly to do with the fact that he, uh, I think he annoyed a lot of the brass at the BBC. Mm -hmm. um, but Which is obviously seeable in his last episode, but you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, but 
well around good storyline. Mm -hmm. um, you have um, people such as um, Patrick Crichton teaming up with uh, Brigadier. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's nice. Because the, Brig the Brigadier shocked us. You know, why are you here? Why is you know why is the previous incarnation exactly. of the Doctor there? Because yeah. you know he's met obviously the Baker Doctor, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So he's just a bit like, what's going on here? There's obviously something odd going mm -hmm. on because obviously he's units involved and all that sort of yeah, stuff. So yeah. then you have Pertwee, you know, with um, meeting up with Sarah Jane mm -hmm. um, after K9. This is Sarah Jane, don't go outside, mistress, this is dangerous outside. Pays no heed. Gets caught up in all the hullabaloo. The hullabaloo. Um, but it was a good, good storyline, you know, like it was nice at the end of it, you know, after you see like the master and so on. Because I thought it was nice that, you know, obviously you had all the first five Doctors, but, you know, you got the Master back, you got the Cybermen back, you got, you know, everybody that you yeah. would want for that story. Yeah. Um, yeah, even got a bit of the Daleks as well, you know, whenever they were um, in the bottom of the, the place they're actually going to. Um, but, yeah, it was a, it was a good storyline, you know, I really enjoyed it. Um, it was more like a feature-length film, so mm. to speak. Um, but if any of you fans are looking to get your dose of Doctor Who, um, you can actually go on to iTunes. I would imagine in the US iTunes would be this, almost the same as the UK one, but there will be episodes of Doctor Who there. Alan, would you highly recommend The Five Doctors? Definitely. It's, it's, it is a great way episode. It gives you know everybody who hasn't experienced the older stuff a good dose of what happened in the past. It gives you the option to see what doctor you prefer you know obviously it doesn't give you the likes of you know the Colin Baker and all that sort of stuff but it gives you a very big option as in where you'd want to go because you just you have such a big catalogue of past episodes to go from very true only thing I would say is that if the five doctors isn't available for you to purchase or on DVD or whatever go for the three doctors again you'll still get you know the likes of Pertwee um, Patrick Triton and William Hartnell um, again, as Alan said, it'll give you a good taste of what, uh, what you can expect from the Doctors in future episodes. Um, I think it's uh, safe to say that Doctor Who would be one aspect um, that we will cover again in a future yeah. episode because there's so much depth to it. Obviously, it's been established since about 1963, you know, exactly. so it's, it's had some legs on it. And, and it's not going to be many years now until we have another big anniversary, which Tim has again alluded to that yeah, we could right. have another obviously like we've been talking about the three doctors the five doctors they could potentially have a far bigger number of doctors this time how many that'd be willing to come back though True. it's a big question tom baker again being the question but he's been a lot more open because he's doing the audio plays exactly, audio sort of thing you know stuff, yeah. unfortunately obviously the likes of perkley hartnell etc are no longer with us but i'm sure they could dig up some historical footage exactly. to get them in there but obviously Davison's been back for the time crash with the Children in Need special. Yes, that's right. Um, so no doubt he'd be happy to come back. Colin Baker would be another if he won. But it's just a case of waiting and seeing. So we're going to jump right into the TARDIS now. And we're going to go along and uh, we'll actually have a DVD to review here. One of the, as yes, you um, to earlier on. And it will land in a six-sided ring. Not a four-sided ring. But no doubt we'll explain that to you after the break. There are moments when time stands still. 
when history unfolds. Unbelievable! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a new era in TNA. When we are bound by the magnificence of one singular event. TNA takes it to another level. Immortal accomplishments by mortal men. Memories that forever echo through time. This is more than sport. This is where dreamers become legends. sound clip. Uh, that's Jeff Jarrett's King of the Mountain music from TNA. Um, obviously you can't see that but Alan's doing the Jeff Jarrett strut almost there. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Jeff, Jeff Jarrett, one of my favourite people in, in TNA. It's nice to see him back after his uh, personal problems with that he had, you know, a certain angle with. I know, it's a, it's a hard angle to get at. It is, it is. Uh, he needs to get a protractor. He needs to get a protractor, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, um, working on all those angles, though, he has got a bit of a pork belly on at the minute. Yeah, I was going. To, I thought you were going somewhere with the ring, you know, like there's less angles in the ring. Now. Yeah, but, you know, with, if words are going, it's going to be a case that there's going to be a few more angles appearing in the near future to do with the storyline. But we aren't here to talk about current affairs with Jeff Jarrett. We're here to talk about past uh, instances with Mr. Jared, namely his King of the Mountain three disc special DVD. Four discs. Is it four discs? Four discs, yeah. See, I can't count. I'm yeah. great. <laughs> Fantastic DVD. Chris will now um, let you know some of the matches that are on this. Yeah, it's just an awesome DVD collection. Um, you know, like it kind of chronicles his um, start in TNA, mm -hmm. you know, from all that. You know, 2002, Jeff Jarrett in the first TNA pay-per-view, which almost didn't happen with the ring almost breaking. Yeah, that was that was a fantastic thing to link to another TNA DVD, the year one yes. DVD. You get to hear the almost panic between Mike Tanay and Don West. Don West's out the back saying, you know, hopefully we should be ready as soon as possible. And Mike Tanay's like, yeah, okay, buddy, you know, welcome to live TV, here we go sort of thing. Jarrett is the key component. TNA, what it was, what it is, you know, what it's gonna be, no matter what has gone on recently. Exactly. But some of these matches are just brilliant. Yeah, I mean, you have uh, certain matches here, 2003, Jeff Jarrett versus a very young and brash AJ Styles. Very young and yeah. very brash, yeah. definitely. Um, you also have the, like the Jeff Jarrett versus Sting, one of the all-time greats. Uh, Jeff Jarrett versus Samoa Joe, Christian Cage, Jim Duggan, Raven. Why, 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 why'd you read off Jim Duggan, really? Uh, I just kind of caught my eye, you know. But that, <laughs> oh. but that was after the whole Hulk Hogan affair, you know, like... Yes. You know, Japan before he actually which was actually a very good segment it's one of the ones I actually quite enjoy looking back yeah because 
the Japanese media knew nothing about it. They didn't know Jeff was there. Mm-hmm. It was only really Hogan and Jimmy Hart. Yeah. Knew that Hogan was due to be, not that Jeff was meant to be there even. Um, Jeff just storms into the press room and just completely levels them. Yeah, exactly. The last match on this uh, very, very good match, Jeff Jarrett versus Kurt Angle, who we were talking about down on. Yes. Uh, but yeah, um, fantastic match. It's nice the way they break it up, you know, they kind of have a talk with Jeff Jarrett, he kind of introduces, you know, like, yeah. um, certain things. Uh, one of the most touching parts in it is whenever he's talking about the, the passing of his mm-hmm. wife, um, which I remember watching that pay-per-view in the... Um, video message that came on very uh, really just it was, tugs at your heartstrings it was one of those jaw dropper moments that you don't really get too often in the wrestling business you know they do sadly only really occur nowadays when we find out somebody has died yeah but you know like Chris was saying on that DVD the way you get the sort of the introduction and then you go into a match right? it's the way it should be done with DVDs you know obviously you have you can link it up the documentary parts on it but then of course you get to see a wee bit of the action keeps your interest instead of someone just talking and talking yeah. you know on the one subject I actually find even when you had the longer video sequences before the matches just because the way we talked about it was interesting you wanted to know how the company got founded and you wanted to know how things progressed you weren't getting that bored at no, all no because it's it's mainly it's solely is Jeff Jarrett talking about Jeff Jarrett you know, you have the likes of say to go off topic to say uh, WWE's John Cena. My life, uh, John Cena doesn't actually. John Cena doesn't. <laughs> Sorry, actually, I choked there with the John mention Cena of John Cena. John Cena doesn't actually talk in that there. Like John yeah. Cena is not one of my favorite superstars, but if he, if you're bringing out a DVD, then you talk about your life. Don't get yeah. your mother or your brother or whatever to talk about exactly. Your life, you know, it's it's great to see Jeff Jarrett chronicles from. His very uh, humble beginnings with his um, with his father, you know, finding TNA and and some of his young young appearances oh, or yeah. some of the specials on the DVD. Exactly, you know, you have things from uh, 1986, which is Jeff Jarrett's first ever TV appearance. You actually have him in 1988 versus Jerry Lawler. That's again the Memphis, you know, the Tennessee connection there. Exactly. But yeah. that would have been a pummeling for him by King there. Just as I say, so many good matches, you know. Um, Four discs set. It keeps you going for. Let's uh, see what the run time is here. Uh, run time approximately three hours. Let's and see. it's you know it's some of the fastest three hours you'll have with yeah. this sort of a DVD. I think again one of the nice things about it, you know, obviously we're saying about Jeff talks extensively through it. You get a lot of people talking on this DVD that wouldn't get speaking on a certain person in a WWE DVD. WWE will always stick to the line of. This person's a heel. This person's a good guy. This person wouldn't talk favorably about him. Yes. So you wouldn't have really in a John Cena DVD, Randy Orton going, "Oh yeah, he's really fantastic." Whereas in Jeff Jarrett's DVD, um, even though at the time this DVD came out, Scott Steiner, Booker T, Kurt Angle were against him, you have them all sitting down and praising the guy and speaking really well of him, and a very uncharacteristic Scott Steiner because. He doesn't draw f bombs every no, exactly. two seconds. Exactly, it's the same with the Samoa Joe's DVD is um, stings as well. You get, you know, obviously they're portraying what the the guy is, you know, and what the wrestling character is. But there's no point to you doing that if um, you're just going to sit there and basically go, "Oh, this guy's rubbish." You know, like mm-hmm. fair enough. Kurt Angle's done it in um, like the Rock's DVDs or Triple H's DVDs, mm-hmm. uh, but it's more comedic kind of mm-hmm. thing. But would you highly recommend? 
this DVD set then? I would because it's again, you know, getting back to the matches is a lot of, you know, it gives you a good variety of who Jeff Jarrett, you know, can work with. It's again, what people are saying about TNA is and it's the opportunity for those who have not been used the best, you know, but have the potential to do well if given the platform. You had Jeff Jarrett versus Jeff Hardy back then. When Hardy had left WWE the first time, he was still just a mid-card intercontinental title guy. Mm -hmm. But he came in, worked with Jarrett, and he ends up going back to WWE eventually and becoming world champion. But again, Jarrett himself was considered just a basic mid-carder. Yes. Losing to China, of all people. Mm -hmm. um, but it just shows you, you know, given the stage, what he can do, what others can do working with him. I'm sure even the worked with Mr. Pounce himself, the Alpha Male, oh, yes. Monty Brown, mm -hmm. and that's and that, that, takes, <coughs> that takes some effort, yeah. so it does, but again, you know, it is a great wee DVD, uh, and you can't help yourself just get excited every time you hear the big rasping laugh yes, at the sure. beginning of his music. Well, you see the Titantron whenever the guy's yeah. getting hit in the head with a guitar. It's a shame that they moved away from that Titantron when they went DHD, and it's just all really... TNA's entrance videos are all words and pictures and all, yeah. because I think it was Ron Killings was the one oh, that he was cleaving with the yeah. guitar midair. Just every time you see him swing a guitar, makes contact, you just can't help but think that is fantastic. Maybe um, a lot of people would claim he's stealing that bit from the Honky Tonk Man, but, but I think Jeff Jarrett can do that a wee bit better. Every one seems to steal something from someone. Well, know. yeah, that's, that's true, that's true. They've been able to get so many matches on to such one collection because I've never seen this many on a WWE DVD. Exactly. Normally if they were to release a WWE DVD it may be two or three discs but the first disc would be like autobiography. Um, you had the likes of Samoa Joe and Sting but they're only like one disc so you only get like a handful of matches there on it. Yeah, because it is a case of a handful of matches maybe 10 at most, mm -hmm. but that's probably for like the big stars, The Undertakers, Shawn Michaels, but the Jeff Jarrett DVD has around 30, oh. so it does, obviously that's including his really early matches, which yeah. are painful at times to watch, obviously because of the quality back then, it was a local, you know, it was still very independent territories back then, it was his dad Jerry running it, but 30 matches like is pretty hard to beat nowadays, I know even the complete collection of Jeff Hardy that's recently came out here in the UK, been out a while in the US. It only has managed just over 20, so it has, and that's meant to be his whole WWE career summed up, you know, in a box set. Of, you have to put a wee bit more effort in, and that's what I always feel you get from a TNA product. There has been effort put in. You feel the guys, the likes of Jeff Jarrett, personally sat down and just guided them through it step by step. Sure. Yeah, so I highly recommend that if you can find it on the internet or even um, TNA's uh, shop may have it there. You actually got the autograph for Yes, I, um, I managed to be one of the lucky few to track down a personally signed one by Jeff Jarrett, which very much takes pride of place on the shelf. WWE DVDs are all behind it. It's sitting in the front. Wouldn't have it any other way. Definitely, as Chris says, you know, Get it on, you can get it on the UK TNA shop, you can get it on the normal TNA shop, eBay, you know the places, you're smart enough for that. Exactly, so Jeff Jarrett, you know, uh, was, you know, obviously he was the founder of TNA, had a TNA roster. I can rhyme off a couple of people who aren't done on the TNA roster. 
Chris Redfield being one, yes. Robert Wesker being a, another. And um, Miss Sheva Alomar, which no doubt leads us towards where you're going. Yeah. Uh, not Memphis, Tennessee, I'll tell you Memphis, that. Memphis, Tennessee, but the dark depth of Africa with our, our video game review of Resident Evil 5, which you can find on the PS3 and Xbox 360, and also PC. We will find out more about that after the break. Chris, how nice of you to join us. Ouroboros is on the eve of its appearance. Six billion cries of agony will birth a new balance. Soon, even you will understand, Chris. One glimpse of my new world, and it will all make perfect sense. Show yourself! Unfortunately, it's too late for you. You will not live to see the dawn. This whole town's gone to hell. The people here, they're acting like those Granado detailed in the Kennedy report. Aside from that, there's something new. Something we've never encountered before. What would Umbrella do? Some of this equipment's got the Triso logo on it. Are they working together? What are you going to do about them? You just want to sell a plaything! Uh, your master! One more time! What are you going to do about them? Research like this doesn't fund itself, you know! Yet everyone looks down on me. Your feeble attempts only delay the inevitable. The entire world will be infected. A new genesis is at hand, and I will be the creator. So, you've made it this far. Too bad you won't make it much further. As soon as you two are done with your little vigilante mission, you should leave. There's nothing here worth throwing your life away for. I would expect you to be happier to see us. Us? So slow. Resident Evil And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. That you just heard was um, my personally made intro sound piece for our game review, Resident Evil 5. Not one to toot your own horn, but toot toot, eh? I know. I had to. <coughs> I put a wee bit of effort into uh-huh. it, but... Fair enough. You Good know, job. Good job. Thank you. At least he praises me for something, everybody. <laughs> but um, this is the game review, Resident Evil 5. A very popular game with me and Chris. Very popular for me for... A very defining reason in that sadly I used to be a very strong PlayStation fan I boasted saying oh PlayStation best console ever but it was the uh, it was the game that made me convert to the dark ways of the Xbox 360 dark ways and only the sense that you got an Xbox 360 elite yeah that's black so that's why you're saying the dark and by all ways we are not racist to Xbox 360 consoles you know if you're a pro and an arcade and are white Fine with us, don't worry. No, because this has some great offline play and some great online play. Yes, but of course we'll get to that anyway. The key part of this review is going to be down to mine and Chris's experience with the actual gameplay. We played, um, obviously you have your single player mode with, <laughs> what would you say, um, a very suspect AI. 
I wouldn't say any AI. It just has a character that, that decides to um, just continually give you ammo that you don't need. Exactly. Yeah. If I need ammo, I'll ask for it. If I'm shooting zombies in the head and need ammo, I will take it from you. I yes. don't need to be given ammo for a magnum that I don't have and didn't equip until uh, chapter 4. Yeah, and you don't need healed when you only have about a quarter health down either. Yeah, exactly. But sure, this but, is one of the um, reasons why we decided to then go online. And do the co-op. Um, I would say um, this is where Resident Evil shines. So it does. You actually get to get on, you play it together, and you actually have proper intelligence. Chris would probably say, I don't have intelligence, considering I always wind him up and shoot him in the back. Luckily enough, it doesn't take any health off. But it's just the whole idea of, you've, you know, one person can focus on one thing, one person can focus on the other. Yes, exactly. You know, like, you're able to say to your partner to get this, uh, you know, like, I need ammo, I mm -hmm. need revived, you know, I need this. Yeah. There's a... A zombie round here, you know. That. Another good part is say where you know you have to get something one side of the map, and you know you have to go back to the other side of the far map and get another. In one player mode, your AI partner just tags along. Well, fair enough. Like the part wherever um, you're actually um, Sheba has to jump across um, a gap, and then the, like you would be there with the sniper rifle. Yeah. That's the AI going to get the key and open the door. It's going to take them some time. Whereas yeah. if you're standing there and your partner is aiming at their heads, you're gonna you're gonna put a bit more effort into it. Exactly. So you're exactly. you're actually not going to want your friend to die. Yeah. But um, you know, it's it's the good point of the fact is, you know, things not only will get done a bit quicker, but you'll just enjoy it because it gives the person who's playing the part of what the computer would the chance to see parts they didn't when they were playing in one player. True. Yeah. As Chris was mentioning, that was kind of the start of the game when you're in, you know, the built-up areas, fighting um, the reasonably easy bad guys. Oh yeah, so many <laughs> bad guys are just walking a park. You might as well just go up and sneeze on them and they'll fall over. Like the guy with the chainsaw, he just took so many ammo. Yes, when you began the game, when you're trying to kill him with a pistol, yeah, you're running around like a head case, not knowing what to do. Just it felt like you were there forever. Exactly. And then you waltz in after you've completed the game with all your trinkets and probably what kill them in about six shots. Yeah, exactly. The best thing we can advise is that obviously if you're playing online with a with a friend or whatever, boost up one weapon that you really like. For you it was a machine gun, for me it was a shotgun. Mm -hmm. That way whenever you complete the game, unlimited ammo. So it's going to make it more fun for you to go through a second time, knowing that you don't have to run around trying to look for ammo. Get ammo from the stupid AI person. Yeah. But um, obviously, online side of it was a huge key for us. You know, like playing it online, playing it with a friend is one thing, but, you know, being able to sit there and have a laugh, like whenever you open the door. And I yeah. Um, <laughs> may as well start from the beginning with that part. It is the... Um whole time when you've just got out of you know you're out of the cave part of the game you know you're you know walk out into this what appears to be this underground cavern filled with random plant life and out of nowhere there's big concrete entrance just right in the side of the cave and it's a case of obviously you're like, why is that there you discover the whole the tricello the umbrella stuff and then all two and two 
makes four finally <laughs> when it comes to the story. You go in, you're walking through the level, just, you know, usual stuff. Very quiet though. So it was, which is um, uncharacteristic for Resident Evil for to be quiet for long periods of time. Obviously, still do it a wee bit to build up the suspense, but you then happen to turn around the corner, we turned around the corner, and glass walls on both sides um, with liquors in them. And Chris says, um, Alan, be quiet, don't do anything, don't fire anything. And I'm going, Chris, come back through the metal safety door, and then I'll shoot the glass, they can come out, and then I'll use my grenade launcher at the door. Our Xbox has decided to act up at this moment. Yes. And when I said to Chris, Chris, come back through the door, Chris decided to stay there. So I blast the glass out, and about a dozen liquors decided to start attacking Chris. Of course, that didn't go down well, and quite a few swear words were shouted down the mic at. Um, yeah, I still haven't forgiven you for that, but sure. What, you didn't like a bit of tongue action from the liquors? No, the swear words, I mean. Oh, right, the swear words, fair enough. Well, so you're not denying you like the liquors? Uh, well, let's move on swiftly. Oh, chicken. But yes, I proceeded to decide, like, what the hell's going on, whereas I run through the door and just fire off about a dozen missiles into everything. Everybody goes everywhere, Chris goes flying at the same time. Um, more expletives, but that was one of the funniest parts of the game itself for us. But again, obviously getting through that, the key part is, I will say now, spoiler alert for anybody who has not played the game Switch Off now, go buy it, play it, then come back. But don't wait too long, please. <laughs> you get through this part and you finally run into Wesker. He reveals to you that um, Chris's ex-partner, Miss Jill Valentine, has been under his control for the past number of years since obviously she um, crashed out the window with Wesker, obviously making everybody think they were both dead. Yeah. You then proceed in the biggest pain of an ass fight. Oh, that was so irritating trying to get that thing off our chest. I think it was a case of we started it at one stage at like 10 o'clock and we're still there at 1 o'clock. Yeah, I think the um, battles meant something like that. I was think it was 27 attempts from memory search. Yeah, that, that was a case of it was a case. Um, push that button, no, go that way, no, this, that way, and then seeing one of us to be grabbed by Wesker and throwing it through a wall. Uh, but. Challenging the, game, you know, like it is a challenging game, it's not a game. Especially, especially on the higher levels, yeah. and when you unlock the um, even harder mode after you've completed on every single difficulty, it's basically one hit and you're dead. Yeah, it's almost like <laughs> the Gears of War uh, insane. Um, yeah, you know, it's pretty it's much. That. Everybody has their own sand for it, if, but if you just were to say, it would go easy, normal, hard, very hard. Yeah. Uh, I think very hard is being complimentary to yeah. it. But then, of course, you've got the really, I think, something we haven't mentioned yet so far, the very good cinematics yes, within the yeah. game in the lead-up to your final battle with Wesker. Yeah, the graphics in it are just outstanding, just the cutscenes, even the, the voice talent. The voice part. acting was very good, I thought. Yeah. It was very natural. But this is this is what you're sort of starting to get with a lot of, you know, big-name games nowadays. The likes of Resident Evil, Uncharted 2... They're getting the voice actors to actually act it out in the motion capture suits as well. So when they do their lines, they're obviously not getting chased by zombies, so not, yeah. under, the, not under those pressures. No. But they're still doing the motion, so if they're running a bit, they'll be out of breath. So it makes it just that bit more realistic. And when you're watching it, 
on screen. It also helps that the characters actually look very like their voice actors. True. So it does, again, begs the question when there's rumours of actually resetting the movie franchise, they can actually just do it with the voice actors and make everybody happy. But, again, that's another thing. But back to the whole ending sequence, you get a good, what would you say, about five plus minute lead up with Wesker and his speeches. Yes. Thing. And that, that again is very enjoyable. The guy, the person who voices Wesker is fantastic in the way he just delivers the raspiness in his voice. You know, he is the epitome of evil. So he is, which obviously trying to um, transform the entire world into mindless freaks is not the best thing to be a nice guy with, but you know. Again, the final battle was another one that we yeah, had a lot to do. It's uh, 27, 27 attempts. But, you know, like you want something that gives you a challenge. You want something yeah. that you're, you know, like uh, it's going to be a case of you're just going to shoot him once in the forehead and then that's going to be him. Yeah, because then you'll, then you'll say, well, I want my money back. Exactly. And exactly. they'll say, why did these people lie to me at the game shop and all that sort of stuff, saying mm-hmm. it was a great game. But, um... Obviously, with the new, um, obviously, with this covering this hair, you know, um, it was almost a year... It's, ago, it's, it's pretty much a year. A year, it's a year ago, next month. A year ago, since it came out. A year ago that I was really looking forward to it, and now on the I think it's the thirteenth of March. It's a day, a day after a day and a year and a day. Yeah, they're actually releasing the Resident Evil Gold Pack, or and they're releasing the new downloadable content as which well, which looks very good. Which obviously we'll have a wee discussion about it before we wind off the gaming discussion and um, the trailer. Recently released in English, you could say the Japanese one was out at the end of the, you know, at the end of 2009. But of course, um, quite difficult. I'm not, I'm not the best with Japanese. No, you know. am I. I can do a bit of Korean, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> it shows us very different Jill Valentine um, with her more familiar brown hair. So it does, and her with Chris approaching um, the mansion, and it builds up the idea of now. You're back in time, and when they were tracking down Spencer and Wesker appeared, yeah. kind of giving you the mission, you know, the backstory that you saw within Resident Evil 4 of, you know, Jill taking out Wesker, out the window, etc. Gives you the mission, so you kind of have the full story of how it happened. Yeah, well, a lot of it, like, um, there's this uh, bit in the trailer where you actually see spikes come down from the ceiling, which is very reminiscent, and almost the mansion and that part there almost looks very reminiscent of the very first yes. Resident Evil, um, which is a nice throwback. And Chris, and Chris even makes the joke of, why is this man so fond of cranks? Yeah, that's exactly. And there's also the part to do um, with them trying to get the helicopter, um, Jill and Yes, that's the second part of the download content, mm-hmm. is basically when we were talking about um, a bit where you have to fight Jill and Wesker, and you eventually free Jill, and Wesker disappears, and you have to go on. To go after Wesker, you kind of lose track of where Jill was. So, you know, she kind of just stayed behind and said, you know, go on, you have to go get Wesker. Um, but this part of the download content actually shows her meeting up with um, the army captain that helped you earlier in the game. Yeah. And he's going to get a helicopter to obviously get out of there, rescue Chris and Sheva. But the whole part is they go through a level together. To fight through, and it's a case of Jill was wanting to do one thing, he was wanting to do another, but it happens they're going in the same direction. Yeah, true. 
so it does. So that's it's something we're definitely looking forward to. Um, luckily enough, I'm sure we'll probably be the, some of the impatient people. It comes out on um, Xbox Live. The first download content, we're not sure which one's coming out first. I haven't really confirmed that. No, um, whether it's going to be the older one with the mansion or the newer one with um, Jill and the army captain. But it's coming out this month on Xbox Live, to the best of our knowledge. Which, no doubt, we'll get immediately played through. Which yes. we'll probably, probably mention in a future episode, no doubt. Yeah. But, um... Anyway, Chris, it's a silly question anyway, but you would recommend it? Recommend it, yeah, both for offline play and online play, but if you've got a friend, if you're looking for a co-op game, something similar to the likes of Gears of War, which was a superb online um, co-op game, Resident Evil is a very, very hard one to beat online. Um, I can probably say that that was the most fun I've had on Xbox mm -hmm. would be um, doing that game. Again, it's like I said, it was the thing that got me to Xbox simply because of the online experience. Got me going back into the game stores, buying Xbox games over PlayStation games, simply to have the chance to go online and play it. It's just second to none. Yeah, yeah. So that's, bas that's basically our review um, for Resident Evil 5 and all our other products today. Before we actually mention what we're going to have ne um, next month, uh, we've just got a couple of thanks yeah. that we want to put out. Um, we want to thank all the crew at the Pop Culture Network, uh, that includes Pixel Dan, Dirt, Killen, Scotty Cash, Duvall. Uh, we want to thank you for um, all your support regarding this podcast. And giving, um, us, and giving us the chance. Yeah to just give it a go and um, see how good we eventually become. Yeah, I mean, you can certainly head over to um, www.popculturenetwork.com uh, www uh, If you click on staff, you'll actually see um, Mr. Prices and my... Our ugly um, mugs. Our ugly mugs. Um, below that's an email address, so if you want to even shoot us an email, tell us what you think of the show... Um, we would love to hear that. Um, we're actually in the process as well of possibly doing like um, reviews of current games. Uh, we're actually in talks with Ubisoft and a couple of other companies. Not, not, not to throw any names around, Chris. No, not to throw any names around, <laughs> but you know they want publicity, so we'll give them publicity. Yeah, yeah. Again, we want to thank Matt Howlett for music. Uh, we want to thank all the guys at Pop Culture Network. Um, really appreciate you uh, giving us the opportunity. I want to thank you all as well for taking the time to listen to podcasts that you know you're not over familiar with, but hopefully you will be. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully it'll become um, a steady piece, more likely on a monthly basis, maybe a fortnightly basis in the future. You never know. Yeah. But um, we'd definitely like to have you back again. Yeah. So with that, uh, next month, Alan, if you want to go over what what game and what um, wrestling DVD we're going to be covering. Well. When it comes to games, I get my choice in the game from Resident Evil, um, well, the show even, had Resident Evil obviously there. Again, a bit like Back to the Future mentioned earlier, this game was a key part of my childhood. It was my first ever game. Um, I played, it was the game that was got with my Super Nintendo Entertainment System. <laughs> Guess the age, you might win a prize. <laughs> but um, Donkey Kong Country, the first Donkey Kong Country, a trendsetter. For then, I must admit, but I won't go into too much details for that because that'll use up all next show's <laughs> material. Um, had to stop myself there. Um, but then we will be going on for another wrestling, but 
again, as you can see, the next show is going to be very much further back in time, very retro next month. It's going to be WrestleMania 8, which is considered one of the premium WrestleMania's. One of my, my favourites, WrestleMania 8 and WrestleMania 7. Um, but again, don't want to spoil yeah. too much of that there. Then you're going to talk about um, what we're going to do movies and TV-wise? Yeah, TV-wise we hope we can do a certain pop culture network person. Favourite. Yeah, favourite, yeah, with his... Uh, Let's see if I can get this Come right. on, Chris, you can do it. Radical Retro Turtle Toy Talk. Yeah. Uh, Swain Halleck. Um, so we hope we can do him justice um, covering some of the topics of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, or as it was known over in the United Kingdom, Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles. What? Uh, well, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, it doesn't, <laughs> but uh, we're going to be going over in the uh, cartoons uh, with uh, one of the DVD sets, the 25th anniversary being released. Also with films... Films and also ties in the game, so to speak, and some of the Mattel figures that you can obviously see Pixel Dan and Duvall reviewing, which is Ghostbusters, uh, one of my all time favorites. It has to be an all time yep. favorite. Like, I don't think you could really talk to anybody that um, grew up throughout the 80s that wouldn't like Ghostbusters. Yeah, or didn't want a proton pack. But, uh, as again, said, again, as that's for the next year. As Egon Spengler said in Ghostbusters 2, they're not for kids. <laughs> um, but you know, we we'll just want to thank you all for taking the time to listen to us, Alan. Do you have any closing comments before we wrap it up? Just, again, big thank you to you all for listening. I hope we have got your attention for our next show. Yep, so um, you can subscribe via iTunes. Um, you can also head over to Pop Culture Network. Go to the forums, leave us your thoughts, drop us an email. Or even contact um, you on Skype and yep. leave a wee message. Yeah, uh, if you want to uh, leave us a voicemail and play it on the show, kind of something similar I do in the Masters Universe Chronicles. Um, uh, cheap plug. Exactly. <laughs> um, and we'll not, not need to change the fuse for that for a couple of days yet, anyway. What we'll also do is... Um, you know, just go on to Skype and leave me a voicemail. My username is Vento316. So uh, before we actually go, there's one uh, person I would like to uh, promote his uh, magazine, and that's James E. Talk with Serial Geek. He's covering Ghostbusters next month and Turtles. Um, he covers a lot of the aspects of any 80s animation and stuff like that. goes on with a lot of stuff from Master Universe, she Princess Power, Thundercats, Turtles... You name it near enough. You name it, he has it. Yeah, you name it. So if you want to go over to www.serialgeek.com, you can either get like a, a PDF file, download it on the computer, or get some of the magazines. But anyway, um, that's that's enough promoting for one show. So um, my name is Chris Vint. I'm Alan Price. Yeah, so hope to see you next month for some more retro reviews. Thanks for listening. Bye.
Oh, oh. 